This is podcast 27, The Quest, The Book God Breathed, Frequently Asked Questions. It is the final episode in a series of four podcasts, all of them dealing with uh, questions frequently asked in regard to the book God Breathed, uh, regarding the New Testament documents and their trustworthiness. The question we come to now is what can be said about the dates for the composition of the New Testament, and what does it matter? When the New Testament was written is a significant issue for for many uh, who see it as impacting the historical accuracy of the Bible. Non-confessing scholars believe that the later the date they can claim for the writing of the New Testament, the more it strengthens their argument that Christianity is the result of a long developmental process. The, the New Testament was not written, they argue, uh, in its entirety until very late in the first century or early to mid-second century after undergoing many editorial changes along the way. The Gospels, in particular, it is argued, are stories and sayings various writers and groups made up after the apostolic uh, era, after the time of the apostles, to serve their own purposes. So what is the man or woman of faith to make of this, then? Dating the four Gospels and other books of the New Testament is difficult for a number of reasons. For one thing, the Jewish, Macedonian, and Roman calendars all began at different times of the year. When dealing with the intervals of time, whether a day or a year, it is difficult to determine uh, from the New Testament whether the interval is inclusive, the whole day or year, or exclusive, a part of the day or year. Also, dates are frequently designated not by the calendar, but by the time someone ruled or reigned. It is therefore commonly understood that dates for ancient historical events may uh, be a, a year, at least a year or two off either way, even when we uh, have them stated concretely in secular history. Occasionally, but not as often as we would like, it is possible to coordinate biblical events with the dates of established secular events. For example, in 2 Corinthians 11.32, Paul provides this solid time reference. He writes, In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city guarded in order to arrest me. It is known that King Artus died in 40 CE. This would mean Paul's com com conversion uh, adventures on the road to and in the city of Damascus occurred sometime prior to 40 and at the very latest. Most scholars believe Paul's conversion and uh, time in Damascus actually took place much earlier, probably 
within no more than one or two years after Jesus' conversion, so in 33 or 34 CE. In Acts 18, 11 through 12, there's another incident which, when coupled with an, an inscription, discovered by archaeologists in 1905, helps establish the chronology of Paul's work and writing. The text in the Acts of the Apostles reads, And Paul was in the city of Corinth for 18 months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was governor of the province of Achaia, the Jews rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. In 1905, nine fragments of a stone were found in the ancient Greek city of Delphi and put together by a team of international archaeologists. The inscription on the stone was from the Roman emperor Claudius to Galileo, uh, to Galileo, who was proconsul of the reign or province of Achaia, in which the city of Corinth was located. The inscription itself is an order for Galileo to find a way of repopulating the city of Delphi, which had fallen on hard times. The emperor Claudius declares in this inscription that this is the twelfth year since his ascension to the throne. Since it is known from other sources that his ascension was uh, January 25th, 41 CE, we also know that his twelfth year, the year of the inscription, uh, covered then January 25th, 52 CE to January 24th, 53 CE. This means Galileo was serving as proconsul between January 25th, 52 and January 24th, 53. This fixes then Paul's 18 months in Corinth, noted in Acts 18.1, as between January um, 50 CE and July 51 CE. With this bit of hard data, scholars like John A. T. Robinson, for example, proceeds uh, to work backwards using chronological data provided in Acts of the Apostles and Paul's letters uh, to the uh, Galatians and, and, uh, and elsewhere, uh, as well as that of, um, uh, from the historian Josephus, to construct a chronology for Paul's life and for his letters. Robinson ends his um, chronology with Paul's imprisonment in Rome and the writing of 2 Timothy uh, by Paul around 59 to 62 CE. However, many scholars believe that Paul was acquitted and released from prison that he then traveled through Spain establishing Christian communities, but was rearrested and imprisoned a second, harsher time. Either way, however, the tradition and the consensus are that Paul was beheaded by uh, Nero um, shortly 
after the Great Fire of Rome in 64 CE. But this is by no means certain. It is possible, given the brutal conditions of first century uh, prison life, that Paul died sick and alone before that in his cell. But the bottom line is that all of Paul's epistles were completed before his death, which at the latest was in 64 CE. As noted in one of my podcasts, I believe this includes the the writing of the pastoral letters as well as the epistle to the Ephesians. This leads to another logical conclusion. Luke's uh, Acts of the Apostles is, according to Acts 1, 1 through 7, the sequel to the gospel according to Luke. Acts ends with Paul waiting for trial, but living in Rome in his own rented house. This would indicate, then, that Acts was completed before or between 62 and 64 prior to Paul's death. If, as most scholars think, Matthew and Mark are earlier than Luke, all three of the Synoptic Gospels must have been written before 64 CE. Now, sometimes it's argued that Acts is, was really written uh, after, afterwards, uh, uh, sometime after, uh, uh, even after uh, 70 uh, CE. But that, that brings me to my next major um, part of this answer. There is no date, and, and why I believe in an earlier dating for the writing of the New Testament rather than a, a later dating that would place the books, uh, all the books of the New Testament as having been written, say, between uh, 64 CE and 90 CE. There is no date more certain or more filled with sorrow for Jews than the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 CE. For the ancient Jews, the temple was the place more than anywhere else on the world, on on, on uh, anywhere else uh, on earth or in the world, where God's presence was to be felt and known and cherished. Their cultural, political, economic, social, and spiritual life was all bound up with the temple. Their very identity was stamped by it as a sacred place. The earliest Christians, like Jesus, were Jewish. And while being Christian meant that Christ was now their center, they steadfastly retained their Jewish identity. It is impossible to read the New Testament from beginning to end without being aware of just how steeped in Judaism it is. My point is simply that for the Christians of this early period, for the, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the temple was, as it was for all Jews, both within and outside Israel, 
a cataclysmic event of unimaginable proportions. It is exceedingly strange, therefore, that not a single book of the New Testament records this historic shaking of the foundations. It is depicted on the Ark of Titus, uh, constructed in Rome in 81 CE. It is there in the early rabbinic literature telling of the Jewish revolt and the fall of Jerusalem. It is there in considerable detail in the work of the Jewish historian Josephus, 92 through 94 CE. It is there in the Roman historians, Suetonius's biographies of 12 Roman emperors, 121 CE. It is there in the 3rd century Greek historian, Philostratus, Life of Apollonius, 170 CE. And it is there in Eusebius of Caesarea, 290, <clears throat> 290 CE. But it is not in the New Testament. The simplest and most obvious conclusion is that the entire New Testament must have been written before 70 CE. Now, I'm certainly aware of the counter-argument to this, namely that this cataclysmic event, which one would, be, one would expect to be recorded in books of the New Testament written after uh, 70 CE, uh, that the counter-argument uh, is that it is mentioned in the Gospels, mentioned indirectly as an ambiguous prophecy of Jesus. Mark, for example, writes in his Gospel, well, you can uh, read Mark 3, 1 through 4, Matthew 3, 2 through 3, and Luke 21, 5 through 24. Mark writes that as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. The assumption of the secular, non-confessing scholar is that since there is no such thing as the supernatural, there is no such thing as prophecy. Jesus could not, therefore, have predicted the destruction of, of Jerusalem, the fall of Jerusalem, and the destruction of the temple, leaving as the only possibility that his words were written sometime well after the fact. I'm, I'm not going to debate either the possibility or the impossibility of prophecy here. But without getting overly complicated, there are a couple of responses that should be made. First, I'm going to argue that one need not believe in anything supernatural at all to believe Jesus could very well have predicted the devastation of 70. It is known for a fact 
that a person by the name of Jesus, son of Ananias, Ananias went around Jerusalem in 62 prophesying the city's destruction eight years before the event. The Jewish authorities handed him over to the Romans who tortured him to make sure, in the words of Dick Cheney, that they got accurate and actionable information. However, they concluded he was a madman and released him. No one today believes that he had any supernatural power, but neither does anyone doubt today that he predicted the fall of Jerusalem eight years before it occurred. And actually, any well-informed pundit of that day could have done the very same thing. Between the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, I wrote an article for the magazine Episcopal Life in which I predicted America would lose the Afghanistan war. When America pulled out in disarray 20 years later, and the Taliban reasserted its authority, no one was at all amazed by my prediction or called me a prophet. And no one uh, thought that there was anything supernatural involved about my prediction. There is nothing at all astonishing, nothing at all about Jesus's prediction that demands it be explained away as pointing to a later composition date for Matthew, Mark, or Luke. What is amazing is that the New Testament nowhere speaks with any specificity, with any directness or detail of the Jewish revolt of 66 through 70 or the fall of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple at past, as a Past, uh, as past events, but only as cryptic predictions. If the proponents of late dating are correct, then it seems to me that the authors of those New Testament books supposedly written after 70 CE, some of it is, it is claimed as late as 160 CE, missed a great marketing opportunity. It would have made perfect sense for them to have said in explicit language, to have made a, a big deal of the whole thing, look, the Lord prophesied the destruction of the temple and it happened as he said it would. My second response to the notion that Jesus' prediction of the destruction of the temple indicates a late date for the Gospels is simply that many literary scholars, even if they subscribe to a late dating of the New Testament and the Gospels, believe that because the original question of the disciples is never answered by Jesus, and that because of the lack of connection between the disciples' question and Jesus' answer, um, the, the text could not have been written re retrospectively. My third response is to note that not only does Jesus' Jesus's prediction or prophecy lack sufficient detail 
but at times the detail given does not fit events as they actually happened. I will not go into what I believe is the more accurate interpretation of the relevant text here. But I will point out that in Luke, the disciples are told, when you see the abomination of desolation, those in Judea must flee to the hills. This cannot, as often acclaimed, refer to the desecration of the temple by Titus's soldiers, because by that time it was too late for anyone to flee to the hills. Not only this, but we also know that before the war broke out and before the city was under siege, when there still was time to flee to the hills, Christians, believing that they were acting on Jesus' prophecy, fled not to the hills, but to Pella in the Decapolis, which is actually below sea level. So that if the details, um, so, so, the, what, so that the details that one would expect, the detail that one would expect to be there if, uh, if this was all anachronistic are simply not there. And that the details that are there uh, are wrong for what the non-confessing scholars are claiming. Now, I, I will simply uh, add here that all of this is really not of much concern to confessing scholars. Confessing scholars can um, accept a much later date for the writing of New Testament, much later than, uh, than I do or John A.T. Robinson does in his book, Redating the New Testament, and still... Um, uh, and still maintain, uh, believe that the, the integrity of the New Testament documents can be maintained. This concludes my responses to the frequently asked questions. In the next um, uh, podcast, I will begin a new chapter, um, one which will take up um, meeting, uh, meeting Jesus on the road.